Now, so let me read to you from the King James Version, uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Woe to her that is filthy and polluted, to the oppressing city. She obeyed not the voice, she received not correction, she trusted not in the Lord, she drew not near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the morrow. Her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. They, the just Lord is in, them, in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgment to light he faileth not. But the unjust knoweth no shame. I have cut off the nations. Their towers are desolate. I have made their streets waste that none passeth by. The cities are destroyed so that there is no man, that there is none inhabitant. I said, surely thou wilt fear me. Thou wilt receive instruction so their dwelling will not be cut off. Howsoever I punished them, but they rose early and corrupted all their doings. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdom, to pour, out, pour upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall, shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Let me pray and we're going to have a closer look uh, at that passage. Father God, thank you for this uh, word. Thank you for this time together. Thank you that uh, as we gather here, uh, that we come in great confidence that your word is powerful. It is the double-edged sword of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we know that you are with us and that you are present and Father God, now we pray that you will help us as we look at this, uh, these four questions of a spiritual uh, checkup, Father. We pray that you will bless us and that you will convict our hearts and that you will draw us closer to you and in a deepening relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think uh, some of the most disappointed uh, people in all the world must be uh, dentists. I think dentists must be extremely disappointed people. Now, I'm not yet to meet anyone who loves going to the dentist for a checkup. Teeth never get better, they only get worse. And when we don't floss or have proper, regular checkups at the dentist, Dentists must be forever shaking their heads. And we know why. We avoid dental checkups because we don't want to confront the reality of our teeth. So that's why we spend, or I do anyway, the two hours before our dental appointment, and which has only been made because we've um it's only been made because uh, I've got pain in my gums. I spend the two hours beforehand flossing and cleaning and doing everything I can and who knows, even putting liquid paper over the dark yellow bits. See, once a dentist gets into your mouth, 
There is nowhere to hide. The only way to hide from a disappointment of a dentist is either not go at all and cover that uh, pain up with your Bongella, which is that baby teething gel. I know men who do that constantly. Or get your checkups. See, just as, uh, just as our dental hygiene needs regular checkups, our spiritual health needs regular checkups. You can avoid confronting the reality of your relationship with God as long as you want. But until you do a checkup, until you're willing to go through a process of highlighting what the issues are and working on them with the Holy Spirit, then chances are you're just putting Bongella on it. You're just avoiding the reality of your spiritual life. And I think right now, in this time where we're isolated, where there's so many pressures and there's so many uncertainties all around us, I think it's a great time for us to do a spiritual checkup. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And today we're going to see from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, the importance of a regular spiritual checkup. And in verse 2, which is what I'm going to focus on, there will be four questions which we are going to ask ourselves. Four questions. Now, I just want to briefly orientate you to Zephaniah, very briefly, just to understand why this verse and what this section is doing uh, in Zephaniah. Now, if you just turn to the very first uh, verse of Zephaniah, the very first verse, it says this, The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Well, Zephaniah was an appointed prophet, you see. Uh, he was a prophet, uh, particularly in the reign of Josiah. Now, Josiah, if you remember, he brought the law back into, uh, back into Judah. He had it read out to everyone, in effect, to give them a spiritual checkup, to go back to the Lord, to come back to his ordinances, his decrees, his law, to try to turn the hearts of the people to be able to serve the God again, to serve God again. Well, fortunately, uh, that didn't work because the hearts of people are the hearts of people. And Zephaniah came and prophesied about two years after the reading of this law. And when he prophesied, uh, he, 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 he really focused on Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem in particular, the city of God, the city of Shalom, where God was to dwell with his people, which was meant to be the promised land, the promised city, the city of God. Well, the hearts of people, even after the law had been read to them again, had turned. And what had happened is they'd become quite complacent with it all, even two years after being brought back into a repentance. And in chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, it says this, At that time... I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. 
See, the picture here is of a wealthy, blessed community uh, that is now complacent with regard to their relationship with the Lord. God had blessed them abundantly. Not just land, people and blessing as we looked at last week, but there was an abundance of wealth in Jerusalem. They were, they were strong and they were mighty. Josiah had brought them back. But within two years, they'd been, uh, Jerusalem had been overturned. And God says here that their wealth will be plundered uh, in verse 13, houses demolished, others will drink the wine of their vineyard and live in their dwellings. In other words, because they'd become complacent, all this blessing would be taken away from them. So when we come to chapter 3, verse 2, it gives us an insight into what this complacency and our relationship with God can, can look like. And so when we consider a spiritual checkup, it's, uh, it's really important for us to consider the, the characteristics of this complacency. Now, in our very affluent Western world, I believe that our churches have become complacent. We rely on our wealth. We are assuming that all our blessing and everything around us is because of our own hand, our own abilities. We think, well, God will always bless us because we are his people. Well, in chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2, and let me read that for you again, which is uh, the King James Version. It says this, Woe to her that is filthy, and polluted to the oppressing city. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. There are four characteristics that drive us into four questions to help us with our spiritual checkup. And the first thing we're told here, uh, the first problem with the complacency we are told in verse 2, is that God's people obey not the voice. Now, there is only one voice with whom God's people are meant to obey, and that is God's voice. See, God's words handed down through the prophets and sealed up by the Holy Scripture, a voice that reveals his character, a voice that guides us into all righteousness and how we are meant to live as his people. And the first spiritual checkup question is, are you obeying God's voice? Are you obeying God's voice? Now, I remember in school, I might have shared this before, but we were in year six at the time. I was about 12 years old. And one day we walked in and the, 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 the teacher sat us down and said, all right, we're doing a test. And we were like, whoa, no one warned us about a test. Anyway, so we sit down and he gives us the test on a piece of paper. He says, you've got five minutes to do it. There were 20 questions. I knew that it was going to be a stretch, uh, but he says you have to go through every question uh, from the top. Now, many of you teachers out there have probably used this. It's a great, uh, it's a great illustration about how we don't really listen to instruction. So the very first 
the very first instruction on this list, and the one I've got on the screen, which you probably can't read anyway, uh, is effectively saying that you must read every single, uh, every single part of this paper before you do anything. And then right at the bottom, the last one says, now the only two questions you have to do are the first two which is one, read all the questions, and two, write your name in the top right-hand corner. Now, the reality is, is when I got to these questions, I decided that I would get through all the questions. I, I, I didn't listen to the voice of the teacher. I didn't listen to the voice of the first question or the first statement. And I went and I had holes punched in my paper. I had sums on the back and all these things. It's a classic thing, and I'm sure teachers use it all over the world. See, are you obeying the word of the Lord? Or are you assuming that you know what it's going to say, just as I assumed what this test was going to say? See, maybe you're not even bothering with it. Maybe you're one of these people who go, eh, whatever, it's just another test. Well, perhaps you've become complacent. Perhaps you don't think that you need to listen to God's voice. It's so easy to become selective in our hearing. We sometimes think this doesn't apply to us or we manage to justify being directly disobedient to God's word. We are about to look at the book of James and the very first chapter which our launches us in next week, says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, this is the big thing about James and the thing that will be over and over in the weeks ahead is that we will need to listen but do the word. And every week we will come against the statement, the series is called Authentic Faith. And the statement will be authentic faith and then an action, a verb, to describe what it does. Because we don't just listen to God's word, we obey his voice. Are you obeying God's voice? Well, the second uh, problem the city of Jerusalem had in Zephaniah was she received not correction, or the NIV says accepts no correction. See, one of the primary purposes of God's prophets was to correct his people. When King David was caught in adultery, if you remember, the prophet Nathan was sent. He starts telling him a story. And David gets extremely upset that this man took the one lamb, this farmer that had all these sheep, took the one lamb from a man who only had the one lamb. And Nathan reveals that the adultery that, uh, uh, that David had with Bathsheba was exactly what he'd done to Uriah the Hittite. And he repented and he wrote Psalm 51 in response, a great psalm of repentance. See, are you willing to be corrected? That's the second, uh, the second question of our spiritual checkup. In other words, are you teachable? So when the word of God reveals that you're living in the wrong way or uh, a faithful Christian that you uh, have a relationship with comes and gently uh, brings some things in your life that perhaps aren't in line with the Lord's, how do you respond? 
How do you respond to them? Are you willing to admit to your uh, sin or your faults and be willing to repent and move away and back to God? If you cannot come to a point where you are willing to confess and admit your shortcomings, well, you will never be teachable. The book of Proverbs, uh, in chapter 9, verses 8 to 9, it says this, Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. Put simply, are you teachable? Are you willing to be disciplined in order to grow, in order to, 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 to grow in your holiness and in being in your Christ-likeness? See, Proverbs is pitting the wise against the fool. And if you're not teachable, if you're not willing to listen to correction, then effectively you are a fool. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and it's good for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. See, this is the difference between being a piece of Lego and a piece of Play-Doh. See, a piece of Lego is forever moulded into the one shape. Yes, they can be connected to each other. Yes, if you're building a church out of Lego, you can have lots of people, or uh, lots of Legos all in connection with each other to build up the, the, the but they never change. And so the way a piece of Lego will function will always be the same. They're not willing to be moulded, whereas a piece of Play-Doh is willing to sit under their, their creator's instruction and to have the sharp edges brought off and to be created into what they have been uh, chosen to be. See, if you are unteachable, then you are like a piece of Lego. You might get moved around a bit, but you will never change and you will always do things in the same way as you always have. But if you're a piece of Play-Doh, you will be moulded and willing to accept change for your life, which creates you into the person that God has asked you to be. So firstly, are you willing to obey God's voice? And are you willing to be corrected? Well, the third area of our spiritual checkup here is trust. We're told she trusted not in the Lord. In Matthew 14, Jesus tells us the disciples got on the boat and went ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus starts walking on the water towards them. Well, uh, after a, a night uh, of waves and wind buffeting uh, by the boat, they see Jesus walking on the water and they think it's a ghost. Well, Jesus, uh, Peter says, well, if it's truly you, come tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. Peter walked. He trusted. And he did so because of Jesus' power, but only briefly. Then he starts having his eyes focused on the wind and the waves and everything around him, and he becomes afraid. Jesus says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? 
See, it's in times of troubles that our faith is truly put to the test when we turn to whatever we truly trust for help. I wonder what your COVID lockdown looks like for you right now. Have you been drawn closer into the word of God? Are you praying more? Are you seeking God's intervention into all this? Or are you drawing into social media? Are you drawing into your computer games? Are you drawing into the few drinks that you used to have which have now become more drinks? Are you drawing in to yourself and the strength that you're told you have within you? Where are you drawing right now? Where are you going to in this time? Well, that is where you truly have your trust Do you truly trust that God is your heavenly father, that he has all things in his hands and he's working all good for those who love him? Or are you in your own strength? Well, Kayla Mueller, uh, she was 26 years old when she was captured by ISIS back in February the 10th, 2015. The U.S. officials confirmed that Muslim extremists had murdered her while in captivity. In the spring of 2014, as a captor, she wrote to her family, and the letter begins with Kayla's assurance that she has been treated well, although we now know that she had all the fingernails pulled out uh, in, in, in interrogation. She says she's in a safe location, completely unharmed and healthy to this letter to her family. Well, the 26-year-old aid worker goes on to apologise touchingly to her family for the suffering that she has put them through because of her captivity. Then comes her central proposition. I remember mum always telling me that that all in all, I remember, let me start that again. I remember mum always telling me that all in the end, the only one you really have is God. I have come to a place in experience where in every sense of the word, I have surrendered myself to our creator because literally there was no one else. She goes on to relate by how how by God and prayer, she has felt tenderly cradled in free fall. I have been shown in darkness light and have learned that even in prison, one can be free. I am grateful. I have come to see that there is good in every situation. Sometimes we just have to look for it. And she concludes like this, please be patient. Give your pain to God. I know you would want me to remain strong. That is exactly what I'm doing. Do not fear for me. Continue to pray as will I. By God's will, we will be together soon. All my everything Kayla, is that your trust? Is that where you're drawing your strength in times of trouble? The third question, are you trusting in the Lord? Well, the last thing that's in this passage for us uh, here is it says, she drew not near to her God. This is talking about communion with God. That is a privilege of everyone who knows Christ as their Saviour and Lord. We can now draw near to him through Jesus. 
The barrier of sin has been completely defeated. We now are called God's children. We have communion with him. We are in his presence, the Holy Spirit living in us. The dividing wall of hostility is now gone. Jesus' death and resurrection has paid the punishment for your sin. And when you turn to him, you have been forgiven and set free. See, Hebrews 10, 22 says this. It says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, the fourth spiritual checkup question is, are you drawing near to God? Are you drawing near to him? And in many ways, this circles back around on our questions. If you are obeying his voice, if you are willing to receive correction, if you are trusting in him, then you are drawing near to him. How is your prayer life? How often are you seeking him through the word to listen and obey his voice? Are you walking in communion with him? Or is he someone you might touch base with five minutes in the morning or just before you go to bed or in times of trouble? We need to walk with our God, whether we're in a lockdown or whether we are as free as free can be. So when you understand that right now you are in the presence of the holy, almighty, living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he has invited you to dine with him, to walk with him, to live with him as his child. Yet we go seeking the instruction from Facebook. We go seeking hope in all sorts of other ways. The living God has asked you to be at his table. Well, this should drive us to examine ourselves. He is right here, whether you like it or not. Augustine once prayed to God, let me not grow tired of seeking you. One of the things as a father that I'm amazed at, that I'm absolutely amazed at, is just how much my two boys who are four and six want to draw near to me. This lockdown period, all they want to do is hang out with me, learn from me, rumble with me, challenge me, just spend time with me. Dad, come and rumble. Dad, can you play with me? Dad, can we go into the garage? Dad, can we go for a bike ride? Dad. Can we go for a walk? See, does God hold that place in your life? Are you doing what you can to draw near to him? Are you seeking him? Are you seeking to know him, to learn from him, to find rest in him, to find guidance from him, and even to be challenged by him? See, complacency was at the heart of what was wrong with, the, with Jerusalem. And dare I say that complacency is at the heart of what the issue with our churches are today. We don't walk with God. We take our 20 cents out and we put it in him like it's a, he's a vending machine. 
to get out of him what we will do. Well, if I give you a bit, then you'll give me all these things. No. Your offerings are like filthy rags to him, we're told. No, he wants your heart. He wants to commune with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to seek him and know him and desire him. It wasn't just Jerusalem in Zephaniah's time. It was the Corinthian church in the New Testament. Paul rebukes them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. They were taking the Lord's Supper, communion, and just bringing their food and eating and being merry and getting drunk and doing whatever they wanted and not sharing with anyone. And he's going, what are you doing? The living God is here amongst you. So the question Paul poses to the Corinthian church and to us is, are you examining yourself regularly as you are in communion with God? And so today, the four questions of the spiritual checkup that we need to ask ourselves, are you obeying God's voice? If not, you need to confess and ask forgiveness and listen and obey. Are you willing to be corrected? If not, humble yourself and ask for correction from the Lord. Are you trusting in the Lord? If not, turn away from what you are trusting in and seek him and follow him. Are you drawing near to the Lord? If not, get on your knees and pray. Jesus says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Well, my prayer for us this week is that we will have a spiritual checkup while we've got this time in isolation and that we will be strengthened as we draw near to God, as we are corrected, as we are trusting and as we obey him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this spiritual checkup and this rebuke that we have here in Zephaniah. Father God, as we spend time in isolation, as we have more time to perhaps reflect on you and to wonder where our trust truly is, I pray that you will draw us into your presence. Father God, for those who may be feeling a long way from you, I pray that they will see that your grace is uh, limitless and that they can turn to you, have their sin forgiven, be, be healed and come into a, a right relationship with you. And Father, for those of us with that right relationship, I pray that we will turn away from those things we are putting our trust in and move to you. Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, and please bless us in this week to come. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.